You're listening to VCJ, Victoria College Jersey. Okay, I think this is probably the penultimate podcast, and in this we're going to finish up electricity, have a look at logic circuits, and then that'll be it. There'll just be radiation left to do. So, what have we got to finish up with electricity? Well, have I mentioned the dangers of electricity? You're not stupid. You know that electricity, when there's a big voltage pushing, can be pretty dangerous. So, the mains voltage is 230 volts. 230 volts um, is more than enough to push enough electricity through you to cook you. And uh, that's the danger. That's what happens. Your internal organs actually get cooked by the current that's being pushed. You've got a pretty high resistance, but 230 volts is a pretty high voltage. So if you stay connected for long enough, a big enough current runs through you for your internal organs to be cooked. And that cooking, overheating, is uh, the biggest problem with all electricity. It's all about keeping the currents down to the right size for the uh, components designed for them. You all know that uh, if we put too much current through the resistors when we do experiments in in class, those resistors seriously overheat. And uh, in electrical terms, we call that I squared R heating, because the current squared multiplied by the resistance tells you how much electrical energy, how much electrical power, sorry, is being turned into heat power. Or if I do I squared RT, then I get energy, because of course, to get to uh, energy from power, you've got to multiply by time. How do we protect against that? Well, the usual way to protect against it is with a fuse. A fuse in a circuit diagram is drawn like a resistor, but it has a line across the middle, and it's supposed to be an idea of what a fuse looks like, because a fuse is a glass tube with a very thin wire running through the centre of it. And because it's a thin wire, if you try and put too much current through, the thin wire breaks. So fuses protect you against too much current. These days we don't rely on fuses too much. We tend to work on rely on circuit breakers instead. And circuit breakers are things that are designed to switch off, to turn off, if there are dangerous conditions. So if too much current is being drawn, or if current is flowing out on the live circuit and not flowing back on the neutral circuit. If it's going out on the live and it's not coming back on the neutral, it's going somewhere it shouldn't. It's probably going through you, and at that point the circuit breaker will trip. So fuses and circuit breakers, there to protect us against excess currents. What else have I got to cover? Well, I've got to cover things called transducers. Transducers are things in a circuit which turn a physical change into an electrical change. They are thermistors. Uh, Thermistors' resistance drops as the temperature goes up. Or they're LDRs, light-dependent resistors, whose resistance drops as the light levels go up. And both of those tend to be used with transistors, where transistors are working as electrical switches, turning another circuit on. So a typical circuit that would contain a thermistor or an LDR would have the thermistor and the LDR set up as a potential divider. That is, two resistors in series. And then tapped off from the centre of those two resistors in series, where the potential of the supply is being divided between the two resistors, there will be the input to the transistor. And depending on whether the potential is divided so that that input is a high voltage or a low voltage, the transistor will be on or the transistor will be off. Even with the transistor in there, you can't get big currents to flow through. And so what a transistor very often will do is it will turn on a circuit that contains a relay. And then the relay will turn on the or turn off the circuit with a very big um, current flowing. 
Unfortunately, CIE have downgraded transistors from June 2016 onwards, which means that the relays are actually more, much more likely to be working in series with a transducer. As the resistance of the transducer drops because the temperature goes up or because the light gets brighter, then the relay will turn on because enough current is flowing to make it operate. Um, or uh, it will turn. There'll be a knock gate in series as well there, and then it will turn off as the resistance falls, and um, that brings us very nicely into logic, or rather digital electronics. Um, that talking about on and off because digital electronics is all about on and offs, where a one is an on and a zero is an off. That's digital, um, uh, where all the maths is done in binary. And of course you know that computers are entirely digital these days, so all the maths is done in binary, and it's all done with things called gates. Now gates are um, just combinations of transistors. Uh, they're relatively easy to make from two or three transistors. They have a mathematical logic connected with them called Boolean logic, and anything you can do with normal maths you can do with Boolean logic, so you can make computers do maths just by combining ones and zeros using gates. And the gates that you have to know are not, and, or, nand, nor. An AND gate will only give you a 1 as an output if both of the inputs are 1s. An OR gate will give you a 1 as an output if either of the inputs are 1s. And an AND and an OR, they do the opposite. Fairly easy, you just have to be careful following through the logic for combining them, following them through, but we've done plenty of practice for putting together things called truth tables where we work out all the possible inputs and we work out the effect of those inputs at each stage following through the logic circuit until we work out what the outputs are doing in response to those inputs and then sometimes you'll be asked questions about what does that actually mean in terms of what the circuit is doing it's not difficult you've just got to take it slowly take it step by step follow it through make sure you know what an and and a not actually do an and and an or sorry uh, what, make sure you know what they do. And then last little wrinkle on this little stuff is the capacitor. It's drawn as a pair of straight lines, not touching. A bit like a battery, but where the battery lines are different lengths, the capacitor lines are the same length. And the capacitor is a store of electricity. But it takes a little while for it to uh, be charged up, to be full of its store, and then takes a little while to discharge, to empty its store. And so, although they can be used as stores of electricity, they can also be used as time delays. And so you have to understand them as being used as time delays. So we could include it in a transistor circuit, so that our transistor turned on and off a little bit after the change that uh, is being measured by our potential divider. So that uh, the time delay is built into the circuit by using a capacitor. What else do you need to know about capacitors? Well, you need to know that the current to a capacitor is always peaks when you first connect it and then slowly drops away. So if you're filling an empty capacitor, when you first connect it, loads of current rushes in and then as it gets fuller and fuller, the current drops away. Or if we're emptying a full capacitor, when we first connect it, loads of current rushes out and then slowly the uh, current drops away and we are. So you have to draw a decay curve for current going into a capacitor. I've seen one question where you have to be able to do that. 
So that's most circuit electricity done, and a little bit of the uh, NOT and the NOR and the NAND and all that sort of thing. So what have we got left to deal with? Well, we've got left to deal with what's perhaps the hard bit, which is electromagnetic induction. So that's where we're going to go after this piece of music. <laughs> Okay, where have we got to? Electromagnetic induction. Well, electromagnetic induction is how we make electricity. If we move a wire inside a magnetic field, then we get an EMF being induced in the circuit. And you remember that EMF, electromotive force, is the force that pushes electricity around a circuit. So it's, we describe it as being the EMF being induced because it's the thing doing the pushing. Um, so, how does that work in principle? Well, it works if we have a coil inside a set of magnets, we spin that coil, and we get electricity coming out. That's the basis for a dynamo. Spin a coil inside a set of magnets, we get electricity coming out. Electrical generators are um, slightly different in that they don't have permanent magnets. They have uh, sets of coils, uh, coils that are actually on the uh, being spun, and static coils that are providing the magnetic field. But other than that, it's pretty much the same thing. 
and uh, what changes it well of course we get a bigger uh, EMF if we have a bigger magnetic field we get a bigger EMF if we move the wire faster so if we spin our rotor faster and we get a bigger EMF if we have more turns of wire on our coil that's being spun on our dynamo um, so that's EMF when we are inducing electricity by moving a coil inside a magnet. There's no electricity there, but to begin with, we force the coil to move, and that creates electricity, creates an EMF, which we can then use to uh, drive a circuit. And a dynamo is the obvious one. You know, we've all come across wind-up torches. Well, that's all that's going on. You've got a dynamo charging a battery, and then you use that battery to, charge, to uh, power your light. So... Uh, electromagnetic induction. Now the same thing goes on with a transformer. We very briefly met transformers. Uh, transformers have uh, a pair of coils linked together with an iron core. And what happens there is that AC, so um, electricity that's in the shape of a sine curve that's continually changing direction, AC is supplied to one of those coils. And that creates a changing magnetic field inside the other one because it creates a changing magnetic field in the iron core and that changing magnetic field uh, is then wrapped around by the iron core through the second coil. Now, changing the magnetic field in that second coil is a bit like moving a coil in a magnetic field. Essentially, the coil sees a magnetic field that is changing whether it's because the coil is physically moving or it's because the magnetic field is changing doesn't matter we've got a uh, change in a magnetic field with some wire and the end result is that we get an EMF being induced so transformers um, can induce electrical energy in one coil in response to an input to a different coil even though the two aren't electrically connected together they're magnetically connected together why is this useful? Well, it's useful because the ratio of the number of turns on the input coil, that's called the primary coil, to the number of turns on the secondary coil, the output coil, is equal to the ratio of the voltage, or the EMF, on the primary coil compared to the voltage on the secondary coil. So we can, by choosing the correct number of turns on our coils, change the uh, PD. It's called, use, it's called a transformer. So step up. If we have more turns on the secondary, we get a bigger voltage out of the secondary, and so that's a step up transformer. If we have more turns on the primary, we get a smaller PD out of the uh, secondary, and that's a step down transformer. And of course you remember that they're used to transmit electricity around the national grid. You want to send as little current as possible through the national grid because of this trouble with I squared R heating and so you do that by having a step up transformer at the power station end massively ups the voltage if you've got a big voltage you can get away with a smaller current because the total energy being shifted has to stay the same and because we've got a smaller current we get less I squared R heating and so our whole system is more efficient but of course we can't give those massive voltages to the consumers to use at the other end because they'd all fry themselves and so we have a step down transformer at the other end bring the uh, electricity back down to safe values where it can be used 
So that's uh, the use of transformers to, uh, to send electricity over great long distances, as a step up and step down, all using this idea that if you've got more turns on the secondary, it's a step up, and if you've got more turns on the primary, it's a step down. Uh, the, the formula actually being VP over VS, so the voltage on the primary over the voltage on the secondary, is equal to NP over NS, the number of turns on the primary, divided by the number of turns on the secondary. Now, there's uh, also uh, an efficiency problem here. Transformers are actually extremely efficient, um, so the input, um, the input current multiplied by the input voltage is almost equal to the output current multiplied by the output voltage. Now, if the output voltage is dropped because it's a step-down transformer, that means that the output current has gone up. Um, but we've already talked about that because that's why you use it in the national grid to send electricity over long distances. So that's transformers. Um, why we use high voltage transmission, why use transformers in our transmission system is because it makes it more efficient because you don't have to have such high currents being sent around the country and therefore you get less I squared R heating in the transmission lines. Cool, that's all quite difficult to say in a short period. So I'm going to pause for a breath for a sec and play your jingle. You're listening to BCJ, Victoria College Chair. Hopefully I was being clear that I was talking about AC there. So dynamos, generators, they produce AC. Transformers only work with AC. None of them work with DC. Because the effect of a generator turning in circles is actually to create a sine wave. If you think about it, we use sine and cosine to actually describe circles and describe triangles drawn within circles. And so uh, we get sine waves, we get AC electricity when we're talking about uh, uh, generators and dynamos. And uh, of course, uh, transformers only work if we give them AC because there has to be this element of change there has to be a changing field and we only get that with AC but we need to move on to DC now and uh, you remember that we get uh, a we get a magnetic field around a wire that is carrying DC uh, current we get a magnetic field induced around that wire carrying DC current and it gets induced in concentric circles that are closer together close into the wire because the field lines being closer together means a stronger field and of course the field is closer to is stronger closer to the wire so we get field lines concentric circles um, that are um, closer together, close into the wire, get a bit further apart as you get further away from the wire because the strength of the field goes down as you get further away from the wire. And you've got to remember that you use the right-hand screw. The way that taps normally work, or the way that a screw drives a screwdriver, we use the right-hand screw. So lots of you say um, righty-tighty, lefty-loosey. Um, that, that's the rule to decide which way to put the arrows on the field lines because you remember that field lines always have arrows upon them. When we then combine that uh, that force, uh, that um, field being created around a wire with a current on it, with a static magnetic field with the permanent magnets, you remember we get a thing called the catapult field that actually induces a force upon the wire. And you'll all remember, because you love it so much, the left-hand rule that we use to decide which direction that force is going to be acting. And so you have to hold your fingers so that everything is orthogonal. Orthogonal means all at 90 degrees to each other in three-dimensional space. 
So you hold your fingers of your left hand, mustn't be your right hand, so that everything is orthogonal, and then it runs force field current. So if you're holding it with your pump, thumb pointing upwards, your thumb is the force, uh, your index finger going forwards, that's the magnetic field of the permanent magnets, and then the current is your second finger pointing away from the palm of your hand. Force field current, and then of course you have to contort yourself in order to be able to match your fingers up with what the diagram is showing in order to be able to work out which direction the force is going to be experienced by the wire. And we've done this, we've done Faraday's demonstration of this, where the wire gets thrown out of the... <laughs> Sorry, my wife's just thought it made me laugh. <laughs> where the wire gets thrown out of the magnetic field when you apply a current to it. So we've done that demo. And of course you've got to be able to describe how that demo is applied to a motor. If we've got a motor, like a dynamo, we've got coils. This time we're going to put current through the coils, rather than getting electricity out, because we're putting motion in, we're going to put electricity in, and we're going to get motion out. It's a motor. Um, so we've got coils, and then, of course, on one side of our coil, the current is going one way, but because it's going round in a circle, when it comes out on the other side of the coil, it's going the other way. That means that we get a force up on one side of the coil and we get a force down on the other side of the coil uh, when we use our left hand to work out which direction all the forces are going to go in. So we get two forces going in opposite directions around a pivot. It's known as a couple, so a pair of moments acting to turn the coil. Now, as they act to turn the coil, the coil tries to turn over. If the coil turns over without the current's direction reversing, then you'll remember what happens is it gets forced back. And we don't want that to happen. We want it to keep turning in the same direction. And the way that we keep it turning in the same direction, yes, that's right, we add a commutator. So a commutator is just the connectors at the end of the coil, um, which... Uh, Disconnect when the coil is uh, vertical at 90 degrees, and then reconnect on the opposite sides when the coil turns over. The effect of all of which is that the current actually still goes round exactly the same way the whole time, even though the uh, coil is continually flipping over. And uh, that's a commutator, keeps it all spinning the same way, and is necessary for a DC motor to work. Not necessarily necessary for an AC motor, but you're only ever asked to describe what happens with DC motors. And that's one that you have to be able to describe. Again, how do we get a bigger effect? How do we get the thing to spin faster? Well, we can use uh, bigger magnets, we can use a better design of commutator, or we can just pump up the current. If we pump up the current, we'll get a bigger force acting. If we've got a bigger force acting, it will accelerate faster. And uh, as a result, our motor will end up spinning that bit quicker. So that's DC motors. So I've tried to keep all of these to about 23 minutes, and we're at 23 minutes now. So that means that cathode ray tubes are going to have to wait for the last podcast. I'll do them in with radioactivity and atomic structure. Uh, so just a very quick recap. We've done a lot of really hard stuff in this uh podcast if you followed it all through brilliant really well done it's tough stuff we've only met one new equation however and that's for the transformer and that equation says that the uh, number of turns on the primary divided by the number of turns of the secondary is equal to the voltage on the primary divided by the voltage on the secondary um, although we did briefly touch upon the idea that uh, V times I, the voltage times the current input to the primary, must equal, because transformers are pretty close to 100% efficient, 
must equal the voltage times the current output on the secondary, which means that voltage is uh, going down on a step down, then the current must be going up, the current does the opposite. And uh, there you go, one more podcast to go and we can all breathe a sigh of relief. <laughs>